Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You know the maze of the city will get to know the soul. Good evening, everyone. We're back with you again. I'm Bishop Designate Brenda Wood, and I'm here once again, and I have a very special guest. Um, I won't, um, <laughs> <laughs> I won't um, embarrass myself <laughs> by trying to pronounce her name, I so know, I will so allow <laughs> her <laughs> to introduce herself. I know her first name is Hope, but I'm going to let her introduce herself um, so at this time, I'm going to yield the mic to her and let her introduce herself, and we will go from there. Thank you, Bishop. My name is Hope Balfa Mustakim. So Balfa is my maiden name. I'm from South Louisiana, so it's a Cajun name, uh, Balfa. Um, and then my married name was Mustakim, which is Arabic for the straight path. So okay. my kids have that last name, and I still have a great relationship with their father. So, you know, it's a family name, so we kept it. I love what it means. So straight path, the straight path. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And if you are just joining us for the first time, this podcast is called City with a Soul. We want to invite you to take a listen today. And we want you to hear what this young woman has to say to us. She is running for election. Mm-hmm for the Waco School District. It's an at-large position. An at-large posi- yeah. position, excuse me, for the Board of Trustees. Yes, ma'am. And there's two that are open, six and seven. Six and seven, and you're running for seven, yes, correct? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's Lucky good. number seven. Number seven. <laughs> number seven, the number of completion yes. and perfection. So... As we get started with this interview, I'd like for you to tell us some of your aspirations and some of the ideas that you have that will help the children and Mm -hmm. the families if you are elected to that position. 
Right. So, uh, first of all, thank you for letting me be here. You're welcome. Um, I came to Waco about 11 years ago, and I was a transfer student from a community college. Never saw myself in college ever before. But when I was in Houston for a little while, um, I was born and raised in South Louisiana, Cajun girl. So I lived in Houston for a little while, and I said, you know, I'm going to give community college a shot. I never, I was, I was that kid who barely made it through high school just because of the family circumstances, because of what I was dealing with at home. Mm -hmm. It was like my testing scores were off the charts, you know, the standardized testing, but I know what it's like whenever your personal life, your family life can interfere with that. So correct. Barely. I mean, if you look at my high school transcript, there's F's on it and you wouldn't even believe because my teacher's like, hope you're so smart and you're so that's why I can relate to some of our kids in the district. So much potential. So smart, so innovative, creative, brilliant. Um, but I barely made it through high school. And then in Houston, I was working at Wells Fargo right before the crash of the economy. Okay. And I said, you know what? If my if my coworkers can do community college, maybe I can do it too. So I tried. I went in for a secondary education because my okay. best friend was teaching in Baltimore City Public Schools. She comes from a uh, Christian academy. I said, well, you know what? If she can do teaching, maybe I can do teaching too in public schools. So I did that, and then I came to Waco for a summer internship at Mission Waco and working with the quote-unquote at-risk youth or just our North Waco youth. Mm -hmm. It just captivated my heart. The relationships I built, um, just all the potential and passion and idea, like just everything you see about teenagers. I fell in love with teenagers and working with them, and so um, I stayed. 2009, just it's I stuck and stayed, and so um, I transferred to Baylor, for social work because I didn't even know that was a real profession. When they told me oh, you wow. can get paid to help people, I said, I'm a Girl Scout. I've been doing this my whole life for free. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I transferred from secondary education because I realized like tax, the tax, the teaks, the star, all that. I was like, I'm not, I, I just want to build relationship with students and their parents. So I was like, I want to be a school social worker. So I transferred to Baylor. They accepted me through the back door. Um, and that's what I feel. I never took my ACT. I still don't have an ACT score. It's wild. So I took my placement test and graduated and um, decided to go on to my master's only because it's really hard to get a job with a bachelor's these days in social work. But had two babies in the process, um, had a marriage and had all the dynamics of what it means to be two people from two traumatized environments mm -hmm. trying to make it work without many resources so, um, but my experience in Waco has just been, I think it's different people from people who grew up here because when I came into mission Waco and Baylor it was all these people who like wanted to make Waco a better place who wanted to help. But the problem I saw with that was a lot of it was from a paternalistic hierarchical type of white saviorism. Mm -hmm. And so that has changed me over the past 10 years from going like, yeah, I want to help to like people have a voice that just needs to be heard and we're standing in the way yes, of that. Yes. And so my ambition on the school board is to elevate parent and teacher voice and student voices and to cut down some of that red tape and bureaucracy and to create more transparency and open communication about our hiring processes and superintendent processes and all that. Um, but to also create partnerships with like MHMR and mental health providers to get that on campus, because when our parents are working two and three jobs, how can we expect them to do family counseling or group therapy when they're working at Burger King, Taco Bell, and trying to do something like clean houses? 
So, um, having been from a, a, a relatively poor background, I'm like, I understand that our parents aren't just bad parents. They're not just, they don't want to engage. That's right. They got a lot on their plate. Mm-hmm. So how can we make that easier for them? And so how can we provide childcare and food? If we have a PTA conference, we need food and we need babysitters. Because if you're going to ask parents to come on campus at 7 p.m., we need to have that. We need to have, we need to meet them where they're at. And so for, for me on the school board, my, my main platform was mental health, making sure parents and their, the students and their parents, if needed, can get that on campus by way of volunteer clinicians, LCSWs, people who need those hours, um, people who just care. Cause I have a lot of friends in social where they just care. They'll, they'll come volunteer five hours a week just because they love our students, but we just have to organize. So social work, language justice, cause a lot of language equity. So a lot of our kids are Spanish speaking and their parents are. So in order to engage their parents, we've got to be more intentional about our Spanish language access. And then thirdly was, I really believe in restorative discipline. I don't believe in this penal justice system. This like, we're going to punish you for your behavior. I believe in restorative justice. So when someone commits uh, harm against another person, how can we restore that relationship? How can we repair harm and help that student see and empathize and understand the implications of their behaviors. I do not fundamentally believe that babies are born bad or evil or less moral than other people. I just think they need to understand that you may be struggling and you're traumatized and you're fighting for what you need, but there's some other people who are too. And how can we build relationship and repair harm? I don't believe in this penal justice system where we punish kids. I believe in appealing to their humanity and the goodness that's in them and bringing forth like, like strength-based perspective, bringing forth the goodness and the assets. Everyone's got assets. Everyone has a gift that God has given us. So how can we amplify that, which is innate and divine in them and not just punish? Sure. There has to be consequences for actions, but does it have to be a punishment or can it just be a consequence? You know what I'm saying? Like kids, kids can know if you're saying, Hey, hun, you did this or this is a consequence of your behaviors. You're going to have to stay after school and do this and clean up the graffiti or, you know, or you have ISS, you know, you have after school detention for the next five weeks as a punishment. They know teenagers know when you're doing it out of love or when you're doing it out of punishment or just coldness. And so as a board member, I would love our district to implement restorative discipline across the board because Miss da- Miss Daphne Latchison is doing it at the Brazos campus, mm-hmm. which is the ICU of Waco ISD. It's our, you know, it's where you go to re- to um, catch up on your credits and when you have this this life that doesn't allow for you to just attend school on a normal schedule, you go to the Brazos Credit Recovery. That's right. And she is a gym, and I went on her campus and visited with her, and she's like. It's working for us. Our kids love groups. They love being seen and heard and known. I was like, why are we doing this district wide? If we're struggling so bad, let's try something new. Same old, same old is not going to work. And you said something that I think is so crucial. You talked about the mental health Mm. of children, Mm -hmm. of teenagers. Some children are dealing with some things at home. And when they when they're at home and there is no outlet, mm. they bring those things to school. Absolutely. School's where you spend most of your time at. You spend eight hours a day. Right. Those Monday are your key Friday relationships. At 
school. School. Mm-hmm. And if there's a bad situation at home, if there's not enough food, mm. if you haven't had enough sleep, mm-hmm. if home is not a conducive environment for you to even rest or have peace, mm. you're going to bring that to class. And there needs to be teachers, people in school that can understand and help you. All children are not acting out just because they're bad. No. Or they're just angry. Or they're evil. Right. They need to look at the whole situation. You need people with your thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There's something else going on. Mm-hmm. Our babies are either hungry, they're tired. Yeah, they might be angry because they don't feel like they got a fair shake in life. Exactly. All they've dealt with is the struggle. Mm-hmm. So how can we roundtable this? How can we come around a student, which is the restorative discipline model? If you have a student, student that's just wild and out. Okay, we bring together all their teachers, some of their best friends, boyfriend, whoever it is, parents. How can we come around and say, what is it that you need that's going to help you succeed? And how can we all come together as a village to provide that for you and hold you accountable? Because it's not people, oh, that's frou-frou, that's just too soft. No, we're, we are providing what they need, but we're also holding them accountable. And I don't think kids mind accountability if they feel loved, if they feel supported. They don't mind that accountability. You know, if, if they're like, people love me enough to come around me and support me. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. We need to be willing to invest on the front end. Instead of just like, oh, we're going to throw money at a broken system. We're going to we're going to we're going to pay for like bigger um, juvenile detention centers or bigger prisons or bigger jails when we could have spent that money on the front end investing in their social emotional development. Exactly. Money needs to be invested in our children in a positive way. If we respond negatively Mm -hmm. to children who we feel like have negative problems or have a negative attitude, we're going to just get more negativity. That's what you get. Yeah, you manifest that. And I believe if you're elected that the plan that you're talking about right now will be a great asset Yeah. to wake up. I love our babies. I love, as a social worker, we're taught the asset-based, strength-based perspective. But even as a, a believer, I believe in the innate, Good. I, I know that we, we were we're sort of taught that we have like sin nature, but then I also know that we're we're created in the image. Exactly. The creator. So God is good. God is love. Yes, he is. And even though we might have a bent towards the things that harm us and the things that break God's heart, break ultimately break our hearts. You know, we we might have that 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 leaning towards that, but I truly believe in the nature of people is love and goodness. And so if we can somehow just foster that, bring that out. And nurture that. Um, I think we just got to start thinking about our kids and our parents and our teachers in that way. And I know a lot of our board members have been on there a long time and I appreciate their service. But I think it's time for new leadership. Yes. You know? And if something is broken, it needs to be fixed. Yes. We have been struggling for nine, 10 years in this district. TEA has been threatening to shut our campuses down for as long as I've been in Waco, honestly, since 09, I've seen um, this transformation. Waco is doing a great job trying to mitigate some of those problems and provide like 
um, glasses and hearing and, and family engagement specialists, but our dish, our school board is also trying to currently end TW. And I do not understand why. All I can think, because I'm not going to lie to y'all. I come from a community organizing background and anti-racism background, understanding the historical racism, systemic structural racism. I see it as structural and systemic racism. Like, why would you want in a program that's catering to our black and brown students, that's catering to our students that are more in poverty, which because of the historical implications of slavery and all that in Waco, yeah, our poorest kids are going to be our black and brown kids because we have disenfranchised them exactly. since their great-grandparents. Exactly. So when you talk about people, oh, are, are impoverished, well, what you're really saying is like our black and brown kids who haven't had a chance yet to catch up, you're like, oh, we don't need TW. They're providing all these extra resources, but that's just extra. They just need to catch up. No, no if you love our kids, given a we need to be given those. It's, it's almost like reparations. They deserve TW. They deserve exactly. those two to five million dollars a year. Their parents deserve. Oh, why are you going to provide on campus mental health? Because they deserve it. Exactly. We we have robbed their grandparents and parents of what they deserved. So let's put money forward to their grandkids because we owe them that. Yes. And that's just where I come from. Like people, you can yes. Google me. That's where I stand. And I'm not I'm never going to back down on that because I don't think we should beg people to give our students what they need. No, we owe them that. And that's why, those of you who are listening, we need new leadership mm -hmm. in Waco, Texas, on the school board. Absolutely. I can remember when my oldest son, who is now 41, he was so smart that he went to EOAC, and he only went for 90 days. And they told me when he was elevated, to the next grade, to first grade. He had been in first grade for 12 weeks and they wanted to demote him and put him back in EOAC. And I went to the superintendent. His name was Superintendent Cudlady at the time. And he would not see me. I went to him with letters from every one of my son's teachers. Mm. And he still would not see me. I had to threaten to, to get out of character, but I will go the last mile of the way for my children. For my and babies. I am the grandmother of six grandchildren and one great grandson. And there was such a beautiful woman named Cherry Bogus. And she worked for EOAC at the time. And she said, let me handle it. And she stood up for me. What an angel. And the next call I got was, your son is going to remain in first grade because if we put him back, he's going to digress instead of progress. Mm -hmm. All it takes is one voice. Advocate, one voice. One voice. This is why your votes are so important. This is why we need to elect people like Hope. If you have never heard my voice or any other voice of positive change, hear it today. Don't say your vote will not make a difference. In this hour, this is the most important election 
of our lifetime. Amen. City, state, and government. This is important. Young people, you're not interested in voting, but your vote matters. It counts. You must, you must go and vote. Your future, the future of your little babies, hinges on this election. And I'll speak to people that have people that are insulated from people that are insulated from the negative impacts of bad policy. You have a moral obligation to wield your privilege in a way. But I'm not I'm not I don't ever want people to um, I'm not promoting a white guilt. But what I'm promoting is white responsibility. We have a responsibility, although we're trying to dismantle these this unjust power structure. In the meantime, use your privilege for something good. Go out and use your voice, use your influence in your church, use your influence in all your circles, your college groups, your small groups, and get people to go out and vote because your one vote matters. But then again, think about how much your your voice matters when you get 25 people to vote. Exactly. So go out and use your influence. Use that for something yes. good. Yeah, whatever your sphere of influence mm-hmm. is, use it. Don't just sit around and kick it with your partners <laughs> and laugh and talk about things. Pay attention to the news. Pay attention to your local news. We are so close to November 3rd. Oh, it's scary. And if you pay attention to what's happening, if you're not a little bit nervous, you should be. <laughs> Get out and vote. Yeah. Tell your sisters, your brothers, your friends, this election is critical. I thank you, Hope, for being with us today. Thank you so much. You have really... You have really stirred me up on the inside. I've already voted. <laughs> Thank you. I've already voted. Oh, this means so much. It is critical, Waco. It is. it is critical that in this hour we vote. Such a time as this. Such a time. You young people are the Josiah generation. I hate to go to church on you, but I don't hate <laughs> go to church, go to church. <laughs> the Bible says in the last days, God would pour his spirit on all flesh. Mm. You are that generation. You got to prophesy. You got to. Mm. You're going to speak things and it's going to come to pass. Mm. That's because he's given you an extra dose of his anointing. Yes. You have to. You can change things if you just get busy and do what you have been anointed to do. Our time is just about over. He said, your old men, they're going to dream dreams. The young men are going to see visions, but you are going to be the ones that prophesy. You're going to bring some things to pass, but you have to do some things. Get out. And make it happen. Thank you once again, Hope, for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. This it's has been, been a gift. Pleasure. It's been a blessing. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for being with us. I'm Bishop Designate Brenda Wood. Thank you for being with us here on City with the Soul. And remember, your vote matters.
go out and vote. Have a good night. Be blessed. You know the maze of the city will get to know the soul. Podcast.